This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon. This is Marshall Davis. Well, I finally made it out of the snow of New Hampshire, and we are now in Florida, eastern coast of Florida. And I've exchanged my exchanged my flannel shirt for a island shirt. Much warmer down here today is going to be a high of seventy-two, and back home it I got a few feet of snow on the ground. So I'm glad to be here for a few weeks. Today I'm going to talk about the Beatitudes. Jesus was a teacher of non-duality. He called it the kingdom of God. The Sermon on the Mount is the best known and the longest sermon by Jesus. So it makes sense that the Sermon on the Mount would be filled with teachings about non-duality. And it is. But that's often missed by Christians because preachers interpret the Sermon on the Mount from the perspective of their dualistic theologies that they read into it rather than simply taking it for what it is and reading it as non-dual awareness. So today, for a few episodes at least, I'm going to interpret the Sermon on the Mount as teachings on non-duality beginning with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the the start of the Sermon on the Mount. They are eight blessings with a ninth that serves as an epilogue. I call it the Eightfold Path of Jesus. The Buddha had an Eightfold Path and Jesus had an Eightfold Path. The teachings of these two different spiritual leaders sound a bit different, these two Eightfold Paths, but only because they they are products of different cultures, one Indian and one Jewish, and yet they are both pointing to the same non-dual reality, whether that is called nirvana or the kingdom of God. The Beatitudes get their name from the word that begins each of the verses. In English, the word is ordinarily translated blessed. In the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, and possibly the language in which Jesus delivered this sermon, the word is makarios, The word is normally translated blessed, but sometimes happy. The root of this word, makar, is of ancient non-Greek origin, and its root meaning is unknown. But we get a hint of its meaning in the Hebrew equivalent used in the Old Testament. In Hebrew, it is asher and denotes a state of true well-being. That is blessedness. One might call it bliss or peace or joy. It's the spiritual quality of the unitive life, of unitive awareness or non-dual awareness, which means that the Beatitudes are actually describing non-dual awareness. The word blessed is the first word out of the mouth of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. It's also the first word of the first psalm, in the book of Psalms, and Jesus liked the Psalms, he quoted them a lot. 
And I think Jesus likely was patterning his inaugural teaching after Psalm 1, which is a wisdom psalm, and Jesus was a wisdom teacher. So let's get into the Beatitudes themselves. Jesus started his great sermon saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? There's been a lot of answers to this, but the most obvious one, I think, is that it means spiritually poor. Now, that does not make a lot of sense in the context of traditional Christianity, but it makes perfect sense in the context of Christian non-duality. To be blessed is to give up everything. Not only material things, but spiritual things. Now, traditional Christians tend to miss this, and they seek to be spiritually rich. They gather spiritual practices, as well as other types of spiritual seekers. Spiritual practices and spiritual books and spiritual techniques and spiritual ideas and spiritual teachings and all this. They want to be spiritually rich. The prosperity gospel folks in Christianity want to be financially rich as well. They want it all. But that financial wealth is not historic Christianity. Monastic forms of Christianity, for example, take the vows of poverty. That's a practice in many spiritual traditions. The Lucan version of this beatitude and his Sermon on the Plain even says, Blessed are the poor, and leaves off the in spirit. Poverty was seen as a blessing of non-attachment that opened up the way to the kingdom of God. In the spirit, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus blessed those who are spiritually poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus is teaching non-attachment here, unattachment. Not only unattachment to material things, but even non-attachment to spiritual things including spiritual rewards or spiritual qualities. When one has nothing and sees that one is nothing, that all barriers are gone. And we see that we are one with everything. Another name for this, poor in spirit, is emptiness. The Buddhists call it sunyata, normally translated emptiness or vacuity or voidness. Emptiness is the beginning of non-dual awareness. And I think that's why it's mentioned first here, the beginning of Jesus' Beatitudes. It is the origin and nature of the universe, according to Genesis 1. In that creation story, it says that before creation. And I quote here, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now that is symbolic language picturing nothingness and emptiness. So that's how Genesis begins. I think Jesus was beginning his sermon on the mount by basing it on this beginning of the Torah as well as the beginning of the Psalms. Jesus is pointing to emptiness as the original state of the universe and our original state and our original nature. The Tao Te Ching does, does the same thing. The opening 
of the Tao Te Ching says, the nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth, darkness within darkness, the gate to all mystery. That's the first chapter of the Tao Te Ching. I was aware of this emptiness at the heart of existence many years before I was aware of and aware as non-dual awareness. Experience of this void was a reason for my venture into existentialism when I was a teenager. Later in college, uh, Michael Novak came and visited our college campus. He was promoting his new book at the time. It was entitled The Experience of Nothingness. And in that, he describes this experience as the common experience in the West. And I remember sitting at his feet, sitting at the floor in the student union, listening to him and shaking my head in agreement. Now, I'm not recommending the book or everything he says in that book, but I'm saying that the theme of nothingness resonated with me at the time. It was decades later that I understood that this experience of nothingness was the beginning of my journey to awareness, non-dual awareness. It makes perfect sense to me that this is the beginning of Jesus' teaching on non-duality. This emptiness is immediately accessible here and now. For me, it feels physically present just out of sight. Now, right behind me, you could say, and it would be there if I had eyes in the back of my head, that emptiness is there. Now, this is not depressing. It's not nihilistic. It's just the way it is. It is the deepest level of consciousness. We might, might even call it unconsciousness. To experience this emptiness... All you have to do is just kind of close your eyes. You don't even have to do that, but close your eyes and just rest back and lean back into the void from which everything, including us, came. This unmanifested reality is the background to everything, but is manifested in the foreground. This undifferentiated oneness is manifested in the many differences in diversity of this physical universe. So behind us is the void. You could say in front of us is, is the world, the physical world. Behind us is nothing. In front of us is everything. And the nothing and the everything are one. Samsara is nirvana, as they say. The fullness of the physical universe is an expression of the emptiness. They are one, and we are one. When one sees everything as this, as emptiness, then we are poor in spirit. We realize that in reality we own nothing and we have nothing and we are nothing. And in that nothing, in that poor of spirit, is freedom to be 
poor in spirit is to empty ourselves. In his letters to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul quoted an early Christian hymn that describes Jesus in these words as emptying himself. And, and Paul puts that forth as a model for us. He wrote, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but emptied himself. Now, this is known in Christian theology as kenosis, emptying. John of the Cross speaks a lot about this. Those who empty themselves, or notice that we already are empty, empty themselves of everything, including themselves, are returning to what they really are. True self, if you want to call it that. They rid themselves of everything that's not them, and they realize in reality that they're nothing. This is the via negativa of Christian mysticism. This is the process of deconstruction, as it's often called today, and I call it that. In this process, we deconstruct everything that we have been taught by our family and by our society, and especially by our religion about who we are. And when we deconstruct that, when we empty ourselves of all of those labels, and ideas, and assumptions, and we see what we really are, it is like waking up from drunkenness. It's like we have been intoxicated with things and drunk with ideas about ourselves. Getting rid of all our mental baggage is what Jesus meant by being poor in spirit. The author of Ecclesiastes was saying this when he started off his book, saying, emptiness, emptiness, all is emptiness. Now, the traditional wording of this, of this is vanity, vanity, all is vanity. But the Hebrew word is hebel, which is more accurately translated emptiness or nothingness. And that's what he talks about a lot in Ecclesiastes. The central theme of Ecclesiastes is the Buddhist teaching of impermanence. Everything comes and goes and therefore really is nothing. I think Jesus may have had these opening words of Ecclesiastes also in mind when he opened the Sermon on the Mount with these Beatitudes. Jesus was echoing many opening words of biblical books. So many opening words of ancient texts point to this emptiness as the beginning of wisdom, of knowing non-dual reality. Now, once again, what I'm talking about is not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's not a religion. It's not a concept to accept. If it's only an idea to be added to our collection of spiritual ideas that make up our worldview, then it's worthless. This is being empty of all ideas. This emptiness is experienced not by thinking, but by intuition, going back behind the mind to the existential reality that we sense as the nature of everything. All is emptiness, the preacher of Ecclesiastes says. Noticing this emptiness is the first step in awakening to non-dual awareness, the kingdom of God according to Jesus.
Now that's enough for today. I had actually intended to to talk on several Beatitudes in this episode, but I've only done the first one, but that's all right. We got lots of time and other episodes. This is enough for today. I'll look at some other Beatitudes, hopefully more next time. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ. Thank you.